Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless as he talks to successful real estate professionals and ask them to share their best advice ever. From deal syndicators to wholesalers, flippers, property managers, pest inspectors, and everyone in between. It's the best ever advice and none of the fluff. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, The Door Devil. Homeowners spend hundreds on alarm systems each year, but rarely reinforce the weakest point on the home, the doors. Bad guys know this, and that's why kick-ins are so common. Simply adding door devils virtually eliminates the home security gap. Sleep better tonight. Reinforce your doors. Visit doordevil.com and enter best ever to get an exclusive 20% discount on your purchase. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Louis Rodriguez. Hey, Louis. Hi, Joe. How are you? Doing great. And I'm excited to have Louis on the show. He is an experienced multifamily investor. He's based in New Orleans, Louisiana. He started investing right before Katrina in 2005, and he started with two to four unit uh, multifamily deals, and he's since consolidated all of the multifamily deals, the smaller ones that he had purchased, and he's consolidated them into three properties, a 16 unit, a 37 unit, and a whopping 120 unit. So all in, he has uh, over 170 units, 173 to be exact, and he is a long-term hold investor. So I'm excited to uh, speak with uh, him about his best real estate investing advice ever, and I know you as a best ever listener are going to love to hear what he has to say. So Louie, you ready to get going? Yeah, Joe, ready to go. So, so can you tell us a little bit more about your real estate background and what you're focused on now? Sure. I um I have a fair, uh, you know fairly traditional background when it comes to my career and uh, and how I got involved in the real estate business. I like to call it taking the scenic route because you know looking back now it it sometimes uh, surprises me that I even purchased one single unit. So uh, starting off, you know, I kind of went the traditional path. I I earned a bachelor's and a pair of master's degrees and settled into a good job with a Fortune 500 company, but I was pretty miserable with the structure and, and the long hours in front of an Excel spreadsheet and, and the corporate policies and all that. It just simply wasn't it, it wasn't congruent with what I wanted to do. And so as far back as 18, 19 years old, I was, um, you know, I had this vision of, of real estate being path for me to achieve financial freedom. I initially thought after that, I kind of thought gaining knowledge alone would get me there and, and I started to read all I could and I started to try to understand uh, real estate as best I could, you know, over time. So right around mid-2005, uh, I made a small leap. I purchased the duplex, a two-unit property uh, right outside of New Orleans. I renovated it and lived in one side and rented out the other, kind of traditional, you know, entree into, into uh, apartment investing. And then about Five, six months later, a little storm named Katrina came through and literally wiped it out. So I had about nine foot of water, uh, total devastation, and um, the property itself was, was a total loss from a real estate perspective. But more than that, uh, personally, you know, it was a lot of people, family, friends lost a lot more. So sort of put things into perspective, but it was it was a rocky road starting off there with my, uh, my first investment. So looking back, though, without Katrina... Uh, I'm not sure that I'd be where I am today, at least from an investment perspective. So I wasn't, you know, not only inspired to rebuild that property 
and to persevere through the whole entire uh, rebuilding process. But I also um, overcame a lot of fears, I think, at that point that were holding me back from following my plan in real estate. So after that, all bets were off. I, uh, I left my corporate job and I, and I set out to gain all the experience I could in in, uh, in, in real estate. So I, I worked in a residential uh, mortgage lending. I did some capital placement for real estate developments back then. We were doing a lot of tax credit financing, bond financing, and that uh, in a post-Katrina environment. And then I also worked as a as a commercial broker for some time. But my big break, or what I like to think of as my big break, was that I had the opportunity to apprentice under New Orleans' most storied and prolific commercial developer. And um, that experience was just incredible. It was very difficult. He was a very tough guy, but I learned a whole lot there. I asset-managed office space, retail space, single-family residential, hospitality properties, and then some multifamily as well. And so that experience overall was, was phenomenal, as you can imagine, but it wasn't the real estate knowledge that I gained there. It was really the perspective shift. I learned from a self-made billionaire, essentially, who came from nothing, kind of how he viewed the real estate world. And, and simply what it taught me was that I can do this. The veil was sort of lifted at that point in time. So I won't get into too much more detail uh, concerning the background, but what happened during the, those few years uh, apprenticing under him, I selected multifamily as my path in terms of uh, my investment type, my asset type. And it was largely because of the all of the assets I was able to see at that time, and I was able to weigh out the pros and cons of each um, at a very high level. So, generally speaking, that's my my background, and um, and, I, and I started getting into the the multifamily on a small level from that point forward. You mentioned the quote unquote big break where you had the opportunity to apprentice with the most successful commercial developer, a self-made billionaire. How did you get that big break? Very interesting. I wrote him an email of all things. I wrote him an email. Um, kind of outlining my goals, outlining who I was, and and you know what I had been working on, and just saying, you know, I'm, I want to really, I'm really motivated to get this experience. This kind of, and he interviewed me, sent me to an assessment center, you know, put me in front of ten of his guys, and kind of uh, put me through it all. And then ultimately, he, I was able to uh, to get that job, and, and essentially got on board with him and spent about three years under his uh, under his watch. And why did you email him? I was at that time, and you know, I had been doing the the mortgage brokers thing, and it was it was going well. Things started kind of drying up in a post Katrina environment, and also the mortgage crisis was kind of on the horizon. And so I knew that I wanted to get out of the the lending side, and I wanted to really gain some uh, actual development experience or some investment experience. And so uh, I was ready to, to to take another step and get some more experience. And I thought, who better to, to teach me the ropes than than uh, what I call Mr. C is his nickname. Then the best, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, essentially, essentially. Based on your experience, what would you say is your best real estate investing advice ever? I, I received a, a ton of advice, both from that mentor, but also other folks that I've come across in real estate. And, and you know, I know a lot of successful folks that, that do a variety of different asset types and a variety of different uh, strategies, and also know some not successful folks. So this advice is, is my favorite best advice, I guess is what I call it. And, and it was it comes from another highly highly successful investor that amassed a, a portfolio of multifamily assets valued at over probably over a billion dollars at least over a billion dollars and his advice very simple as it is it was never sell never sell you don't have to sell to succeed and I was perplexed by that a bit because obviously at, at face value his advice seemed very simplistic and really old school and, and perhaps to to some folks obsolete but there was much more to the story. 
Uh, and so first I knew that I wanted to be like, like uh, this gentleman as an investor. Uh, he had reached sort of the pinnacle as well. So he had a lot of credibility going into this. I was all ears when he, when he gave me that advice. But I was curious, why? Why never sell? Second, he gave me some visible examples of folks that I knew of, uh, especially the mentor that I mentioned, uh, the, the guy I did the apprenticeship, the apprenticeship under. He showed me some examples of those who sold their assets over the course of, let's say, 10, 20, 30 years versus those who held on to them. And a light bulb went off because I saw the value of some of those assets and I saw the amount of cash flow they were generating. And it, it sort of opened, it, it, my eyes were open. And also my mentor, the one I did the apprenticeship, he had knocked on the door of bankruptcy multiple times. And whereas this guy gave me the advice, he had never really been in that in that uh, boat. So this gentleman, um, in sort of offering this advice, he was really advocating investment over trading, I guess, uh, long-term growth over speculation. And not that those aren't great philosophies, but that was his advice and his uh strategy in terms of multifamily. And then third, he gave me a little bit of a, a parable, a story that I'll share with you. His, his parable was a story about a snowball. And if you roll a small snowball down a mountain, it starts off very small. And you know, as it begins to roll down, it picks up more and more snow until ultimately it becomes bigger than the mountain itself. And the way he translated for me was that the snowball was a small portfolio. He had started with only two units as well. And as he continued to grow the portfolio, instead of discarding the snowball and picking up a newer one, a bigger one, he just let the snowball kind of roll down the, the mountain. And instead of getting you know rid of units by selling, he would essentially use his units to pick up more snow and to pick up more of uh, uh, um, uh, size of his portfolio. So uh, most of the reasoning behind this was that you know unless an asset's a really bad one, a terrible area, or you're absolutely desperate for cash, use your assets to grow, and don't just um, you know, try to sell and resell. So essentially I was very confused and I asked some more questions and what I learned from him was that he used, he utilized his existing portfolio of assets um, and he refinanced them and tax-free refinanced them to buy more units in the portfolio. So instead of selling out, let's say my, in my case, a 16 unit, he would refinance that asset and tax-free able to take that equity and put it into the next, um, to the next project and continue on that way. And essentially, I say it's probably my favorite piece of advice because I used it earlier this year with the 16 units and the 37, and I refinanced those two tax-free, and I took that cash out, and I bought the 120-unit, well, a large percentage of the equity or the down payment came out of that refinancing. So essentially, it's something that I've used, and it was probably my favorite piece of advice uh, to date. I love that advice, and I definitely understand the principles behind it. Uh, help me understand with your portfolio, because it sounds like you went from two to four unit deals, and you had a lot of them. Then you consolidated into larger properties. So did you sell those smaller units? I sold in, in the beginning. I sold. Uh, I did sell one uh, one property, and that got me to the 16 unit uh, deal. And so essentially, in the very beginning, I did sell um, the first two units that I purchased. So essentially I went from two to four to 16 and then from 16 to the 37 and the 37 to the, um, to the 120. And so in terms of his, uh, his advice, I haven't used it 100% of the time, but I did use the, I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm looking at now is how am I going to get from, let's say 173 to 250 or to 500. And this strategy 
um, it definitely resonates with me. But yeah, then again, it's not the end all be all. There are other ways to do it. So I did, I did use a sale at one point to get some capital to buy another property. That's correct. Now that you've reached, obviously I'm not, it's not critical mass uh, in your eyes. For some people it might be, but in, in yeah. your eyes it's not. Uh, but now that you've reached this point with 173 units, do you foresee adhering to the don't sell, don't sell, don't sell, and taking the approach of refinance, finance it tax-free, take the cash out, put it into something larger? Yes, I do. I think – when you look at it, at least from my vantage point, and you're right, I look at this as still, generally speaking, from my perspective, as, as it being kind of the beginning phases of what I'm trying to grow. But if I look at it, I think there's going to be, you're not going to always, or I'm not going to always be able to refinance and get the full amount of, of equity that I'll need for future acquisition. So, again, it's either going to come from cash from me or it's going to come from private investors. So I don't think it's it's you know the only way that I'll be able to grow. I do think it'll probably fit into a lot of the deals that I'll do um, in terms of growing the portfolio. Now, the, the never selling, I think this strategy, this philosophy is going to stick with me um, only because, I've, uh, first of all, I love my assets, and then secondly, because I think it's going to help me to grow into a mass the number of units because that's the way I set my goals is on the number of units I want to acquire or to own. And so I do think you're not going to be – or I'm not going to be able to fully – refinance an asset and be able to have the full amount of equity that I'll need for, for transactions, but it will be some component, I believe, in future acquisitions. If that, uh, hopefully that answers the question. Makes a lot of sense. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. Best ever book you've read? Okay. I would say from a real estate perspective, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, because it got me, it sort of planted a seed with me in terms of real estate as a means to financial freedom. We might have talked about this already, but I'll ask it and then see what you say. Best okay. ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. I think you, I think you know. I think Katrina is probably the greatest learning experience, mostly because it, it took away the pressure of failure. Because it, it, you, even if you if you had no you had no part in it, you still essentially failed. So um, when you lose it all, I think it's a lot easier to put things into perspective and to appreciate the things that are most important in life. And it helps you to kind of overcome fear. What do you have to lose? I've already lost it once. So that was that was probably my my uh, best ever personal growth experience. Best ever success habit you practice? Persistence. Um, not the smartest or the most talented or anything like that, but I will outlast. I will outlast at least the deals that I do. I'm definitely persistent, and I I practice that regularly. You ever see the video with Will Smith where he said, "I might not be the fastest, I might not be the strongest, but we, if we get on the get on the treadmill together, I will die before I get off before you." <laughs> yep, that's exactly that's about me. That's 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 exactly what my philosophy is. You know, if you can outlast the competition, you're halfway there. You know, best ever deal you've done. My first deal, uh, my first multiple unit deal, which I call my first commercial multifamily deal, my 16 unit, was was my favorite and my best to date. It was in the Tremaine neighborhood, which is now made famous by the HBO series. But when I purchased it, it was a real, real rough spot and um, took a lot of time and energy and some capital to kind of turn it around. So essentially, it's tripled or almost quadrupled in value and, and rents have doubled since then. So um, yeah, definitely, that, that's been my best to date. Best ever quote. Don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. And that's a John D. Rockefeller quote. Louie, what's the best ever place to reach you? You can reach me uh, via email at louis, L-O-U-I-S, 
at Equitas, A-E-Q-U-I-T-A-S, housing.com, or I'm also on LinkedIn and BiggerPockets. I actually just joined BiggerPockets uh, last week, so you can definitely contact me or reach me in any of those um, places, and I'm, I'm eager to you know answer any questions or, or help in any way that I can. Well, thank you so much, Louis, for being on the show, and I know the you know, best ever listeners got a lot out of it. I selfishly did as well, and you know, it's it's really fascinating and 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 interesting to hear your story from losing your first property in Katrina, bouncing back, and going from smaller multifamily to controlling seven hundred and seventy three properties, uh, and not only that, but how you did it and the initiative that you took and the people that you aligned yourself with and getting the advice from people who have successfully done what you wanted to do. And I think that's certainly a good recipe for success and something that is a common theme from the people I interview and uh, you implemented it and live it day to day. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey you, best ever listener, do you want more? Then head to joefairless.com where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on joefairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe.